You're listening to the Stock Market Options Trading Podcast, a podcast helping retail traders like yourself get better results. If you enjoy listening to cutting-edge options research and trading strategies that help you make consistent gains in the stock market, be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Jay Eric O'Rourke. Welcome back to the Stock Market Options Trading Podcast. My name is Eric. And in this episode, I'm gonna share some research I've been doing around using Bollinger Bands for trading options. And we're gonna focus in on the Russell 2000 Index, uh, trading RUT or RUT. Uh, but there's something a little different with this study than some of the other ones I've shared and uh, really intrigued me. So I'm excited to share this with you today. But before we get started, you know the deal. Everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only. And this is not financial advice. Past performance does not guarantee future performance and options trading may not be suitable for everyone. So before we get into the Bollinger Band part of this episode, I wanna cover just a couple things. I get asked a lot why I trade index options so often. And there's a few different reasons, but I wanna talk a little bit about the main reason why I trade index options. I usually trade SPX mostly, but I'm trying to incorporate RUT more, which is sort of a, a premise for this episode. But the biggest reason I like to trade index options is that there's no risk of early assignment. In fact, there's actually no risk of assignment at all because both SPX and RUT, there's other indexes, but those are the ones we're talking about. Um, they are cash settled indexes, meaning even if you let the options expire in the money, um, you're not gonna end up with stock in your account. They'll just figure out the difference of whether you made money or you didn't make money and you just end up with cash or negative cash if it's a loss in your account. So I like that aspect, but the risk of early assignments really, really important because when you're trading uh, weekly options and you're, you're trading something that goes in the money, let's say a credit spread where you have a short strike option that goes in the money, if it's the last week to expiration and it's really in the money, you could be assigned that stock if you're not trading an index option. So I really like the uh, the not having the the risk of early assignment, uh, which is why I trade so many uh, index options. There's also some other benefits. I definitely encourage you to Google this type of information to get a better understanding on your own. Um, you can look up American style options or expiration versus European style, and that will help you get a better understanding of that. Let me throw one more thing in there about, about the early assignment. Uh, when you're trading short-term options that are one, two, three weeks out, that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. Um, the math actually starts to play out, um, in my opinion. And what that, what I mean by that, the probabilities play out. And the way, you know, you can kind of see this is if you're, if your option is, you know, let's say you sell, uh, a credit spread, which is what we're going to talk about. And that short strike is in the money. Um, you may be inclined to close that trade normally because you don't want that risk of assignment. But what, what you're doing by closing the trade early is not allowing the probabilities to play out. Now, there are plenty of reasons why you may want to close the trade early, take profits, uh, that, that type of thing. But if you're right on the edge, um, you're, you're, you know, you can cut your trade short and not let your, uh, the probabilities play out. So that's just one more thing I wanted to add in there about, um, the early assignment risk. 
So again, with index options, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. You can just focus on the trading. And again, look it up, Google it, take some responsibility for your own account with your own money and really get yourself educated. So, um, so real quick, um, I posted an article with some of the visuals about the, the strategy and performance that we're going to talk about. It's over on my Patreon page or Patreon website, which is patreon.com forward slash vertical spread options trading. And I'm also going to put a link in the description and the show notes. So if you want to go check out the visuals that, that go along with that, that's available to all the podcast supporters. Um, so let's talk about Bollinger Bands real quick. I'm not going to dive into everything about them. Most people know what they are, but real quick, they're they're kind of a volatility indicator. They create upper and lower bands around the price, and it's typically based on some level of standard deviation. The the out of the box Bollinger Bands on most platforms goes back uh, a 20 period look back with a two standard deviation, and that's what we're going to be using for this study. Um, and there's a couple schools of thought on how to use them, and they really are are like the exact opposite. So I'm not here to tell you which one's better. I'm just kind of uh, letting you know how people use them that I've seen, what I'm more inclined to, and then what the the actual research um, kind of showed. So so for this particular study, we're gonna get real specific. We're gonna be focusing on the uh, just the upper band if the stock, in this case, the RUT, or the IWM is the, the ETF, but we're gonna talk about the RUT. If you get a close above the upper band, um, that's what we're gonna be focused on. That particular, uh, I'm gonna call it a, a trade entry or trade signal or some kind of uh, significance in the market, we're gonna identify a close above the b upper Bollinger Band as a significant event and base everything off of that. There's a couple things here. so. When the market closes above the upper band, this is actually, um, you know, indicates a level of bullishness because price has closed above two standard deviations of, you know, recent price action in the last, you know, 20 days. So the first school of thought, and this is what I've, you know, read more in the trend following world, which I do trend following as well. Um, the trend following world, they often can see this as sort of a breakout to the upside. And it could be a sign of bullishness, which, which obviously it is, and that possibly a new bull trend may be taking place. So they're going to look at this close above the upper band as a way to potentially get bullish. I'm definitely not saying you should buy anything on a close above the band, but it just indicates the bullishness. There's other things to kind of confirm that, if you will. The second school of thought is sort of the contrarian view. And this is kind of where I've always sort of ended up, um, where if the market, whatever stock or whatever you're looking at, if the market rallies really hard, it's going to close above that band. And I'm a little bit more on the contrarian side saying, hey, too far, too fast. And we could look at a contrarian trade to either fade that with the idea that the market may pull back a little bit. One of the stats that gets thrown um, around a lot is something like 95% of, of price closes should close within the bands, like between the two bands. This is, can be sometimes deceiving because the bands are, are often sloping up and down when you get a volatility move in either direction. So just because the price is closing above the band 
doesn't mean that the price is necessarily going to pull back because the band's going to move higher too. So if it trades sideways, you could get a close inside the band. So it's not always a straight like, okay, this thing's going to, you know, quote unquote reverse. Uh, however, it does indicate that uh, to me that the, you're kind of in a overbought situation. So those are kind of the, the two schools of thought. One is people want to look at that as bullishness and maybe find a way to get long. Others think it's uh, more of a contrarian and they're looking for ways to sort of get short for a pullback, that kind of thing. Probably more of a, a fade, if you will. So this um, trading signal, the close above the upper band is sort of the foundation of this strategy. And I chose to focus on the SPX and RUT because I really wanted to um, combine the higher probability of credit spreads with this particular move because it's not, it doesn't happen all the time. And we'll talk about the results and how many um, trades were issued, if you will, over the past, we're gonna get a five year look back. Um, and it's not a ton, you know, it's not like every week you're gonna get this move. So I wanted to factor in um, some credit spreads because you can position those to be higher probability. You can you can position them to be certain durations. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, we're gonna be looking at five years going back, as I mentioned. And there's two things that that when you start backtesting, especially with options and stuff, there, there's really a, two main things that I sort of focus on. One is the time to expiration is, you know, the the number of days to expiration. And, and I'm sure there's tons of stuff on the Internet. I know in the Tasty Trade world, they talk about 45 days for credit spreads for monthly spreads. That's great. This one, we're going to be looking at shorter term moves, something less than 30 days. So time to expiration is very important. And then the other aspect is the distance from the price. So how far away is the option you are selling? If you, and we're gonna be selling credit spreads here for this study, how far away are you? How, and I'm air quoting, how safe are you? And, and what you probably know by now, if you followed my stuff before, is just because you're really far away from the money doesn't necessarily mean it's safer because you're not gonna make as much money um, with the safer you are. And then the one big one that goes against you, you can wipe out all your gains. So it's not necessarily the best idea to go super far out of the money, but it's also maybe not the best idea to go right at the money either because the probabilities are less. So we're going to explore that a little bit here with the, um, with a back test. So the way that we're going to measure the distance aspect of this is by looking at the delta of the option. So we're going to, we're going to focus our, distance based on the short strike. The short strike of a credit spread is the option that's closest to the money. And then you you buy the outer option, whether it's a call or put spread, you would sell one option and you buy one farther away, depending on it's the, the top or, or bottom. Um, so we're looking at Delta as a way to measure distance from price. Now, if you're new to options, you've probably read a book um, that tells you that Delta is the amount the price of the option will move if the stock moves $1, right? Which is totally true. But the way we're gonna use it is to measure the distance, like I said. Um, and it also sort of tells you um, sort of a probability of that option expiring in the money. So here's, here's what I mean. If you look at a Delta 50 option, just open up whatever stock you want, open up the option chain. If you find the Delta 50 option, you're gonna find that that option, whether it's a call or put, is gonna be really close to where the stock is, is trading, right? It's right in the middle. Um, and basically what that's telling you is, is yes, 
if the stock moves a dollar, the Delta 50s, you're going to, you know, win or lose 50 cents for that particular option. But it also tells you the chance of that option expiring the money. So if the option is trading right at the same, I'm sorry, if the stock is trading right at the strike price, and it's a Delta 50, there's about a 50% chance that that thing expires in the money. And it doesn't even really matter the expiration. Uh, so the same thing is true if you look at an option that's, let's let's say it's a Delta 30, and let's say we're looking at a Delta 30 call option. A Delta 30 call option is going to be a certain distance above the price. So the probability that that call option expires in the money is less because the stock has to move up a certain amount to get above that. So the loose probability of a Delta 30 option, it means that there's a 30% chance that it expires in the money. And the way you can read that is a 70% chance that it expires out of the money. And that's where the probability of selling options come in. And just to be clear, this is not an exact probability. It's it's a close probability. If you look in, and I use Thinkorswim, you can bring up the probability of in the money and it's pretty close to the Delta. So, it's, I, so I term it as kind of a loose probability. So we're gonna be looking at that distance. We're gonna look at different distances. We're gonna end up around Delta 30 in most cases, but um, not always. And that's where we're going to be choosing to, you know, where we're going to place our credit spread. So we're going to look at time, how, you know, how many days to expiration. And I like to use the term DTE, days to expiration. We're going to look at seven days, 14 days, 21 days, 28 days. So one week, two week, three, four weeks to expiration with different distances to see uh, which ones worked better when the Russell 2000 closed above that upper Bollinger Band. And real quick, I know that was a bunch of option information that I, I just went over. Um, but if you're new and you're a podcast supporter, feel free to message me in the mobile app, the Patreon mobile app. You can message me directly with any option or, or trading questions and I can get back to you. So feel free to, you know, if you wanna take that conversation offline, Get, get with me and I'll get back to you um, as, as soon as I can. So, all right, so now we have a base understanding of what we're kind of researching here, what we're talking about. Let's talk about the Bollinger Band. So let's just clarify the actual entry signal. So on any particular day, if the closing price of the RUT, RUT, is below the upper band, then the next day the closing price of RUT closes above the upper band, that is the signal. It's a closing uh, it's a cross above the upper band on a closing basis. That's it. That's the signal. So when I was first kind of running this through the software, the first thing I noticed was, is you know, I was kind of looking at SPX and RUT. The first thing I noticed is that what worked for the SPX did not work for the RUT. It wasn't, they weren't in line, which was not completely unsurprising. I thought they'd be a little bit more correlated, but... Um, but in general, the you know with the varying distances and the varying days to expiration, SPX tended to work better to the long side. And remember, that's kind of what the first school of thought that that the close above the upper band is sort of a bullish indication, right? But the rut actually worked better in general, not always to the short side. So that's kind of in the second kind of uh, school of thought with with that upper band close. So now it kind of makes sense because often the Russell 2000 often will underperform the S&P 500 
because Russell 2000 is is more American companies, small mid-sized American companies. A lot of banks in that, by the way. Maybe that's why I don't know. Uh, and the S and P 500 is you know the the largest corporations. Some of them are, many of them are global, and sometimes some of them are safe havens. You got Apple and big tech in there, and and that can um, kind of sway the index a little bit. So. Um, but in general, the S&P 500 tends to outperform the Russell over time, not in all you know periods of time, but but in general, right? So, so th so here's the first takeaway before we even get to any of the stats. The first takeaway here is that what works on one index does not necessarily mean it's going to be universal across all stocks and all other things. So we're really kind of narrowing down to how a particular, in this case, index trades. And that's what we're going to kind of um, focus on. Now, I kind of had this idea that there could be a pairs trade here where, you know, you could go long SPX and short rut when that that Bollinger Band signal happened. That's something I'm going to keep exploring, but I didn't get to it for this one. I wanted to share, you know, just kind of the rut. So we're going to focus in on the rut um, for the Bollinger Band breakout strategy and, you know, kind of the rest of uh, this episode. All right, so the first trade we're gonna look at when the rut crosses above the upper Bollinger Band is we are gonna look at a seven days to expiration, seven DTE, Delta 30 put credit spread, where you're buying the next strikeout. So that means that when that trade happened, the software is gonna find uh, the next expiration. That's about seven days away. Nothing's exact, it could be six, it could be eight. Remember, uh, RUT, SPX, these have weekly options. So there's a little bit more choices in there. And the uh, the put credit spread, we're, we're gonna look at the bullish strategy, um, actually did pretty well. So the seven day put credit spread that's at about a Delta 30 um, did pretty well. And by pretty well, there were a total of, in the past five years, 33 trades. The win rate was about 85%. And the total return was about twelve, just over twelve hundred dollars for trading a single uh, a single strike credit spread. So, uh, when you think about that, a single strike credit spread that's five dollars wide is, is about five hundred dollars to to trade that one spread. So this more than doubled your money just trading the bull side for a seven day to expiration. So that was pretty good. The rest of the trades we look at fourteen days, twenty one days and 28 days are all going to be bear call spreads. And this is something that I'm kind of, you know, starting to think about. It's like, well, what if you just did all of them? What if you just said, hey, this trigger happened, so I'm going to put all this trade on so you're a little bit more balanced. So that's something I'm kind of, you know, been thinking about when I look at some of the results. Let's go through the 14-day uh, credit spread. This time it's a Delta 30 call spread. Um, had 29 trades, uh, made a total of $2,400. And this could be one or two strikes, so it varies a little bit. But, uh, but again, did very, very well. More than doubled your money trading the 14-day call spread. Then there was the 21-day call spread. This spread was a little bit different. The ones that best that performed best wasn't necessarily farther away. It was actually a little bit closer. It was a Delta 40. And when you look at that on the chart, a Delta 40 is only you know a couple strikes away typically from price. So it's a little bit, I don't want to call it at the money, but it's a little bit closer uh, to at the money. It made about $2,500 over the five-year period. Again, about 29 trades. And the last spread we're going to look at is the 28-day 
Delta 30 call spreads. We're going back to Delta 30, this time 28 days to expiration. And again, this actually had less trades, which kind of makes sense because it had 20, uh, 25 trades. It's a little bit less because sometimes you can get multiple triggers and the software isn't going to take an additional overlapping trade. So you may get more trades with the seven day spread versus the 28 day spread. And that's what we're seeing here. We had 25 trades over the past five years. Again, not a ton of trades, but very profitable, made over $2,000, over $2,300 actually, which is actually like three or 400% on your money during that time period. So again, this isn't a consistent strategy in the sense of I'm gonna trade this every week. It's more situational, but it's a consistent strategy with these varying um, option spreads and types. It's a consistent strategy for that particular trigger, which again is the market, um, in this case, the rut crossing above that uh, upper Bollinger Band. So um, I really, think it might be easier for you to understand and see the results over on the website. So be sure to check the description for these sort of uh, supplemental posts where you can see the results. There's a few more uh, details there. Again, you can find that over on patreon.com forward slash vertical spread options trading. Again, my name is Eric. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to share this, subscribe, and let me know what you think. And we'll see you at the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Stock Market Options Trading Podcast. To join our community of options traders, head on over to patreon.com forward slash vertical spread options trading for details. But before you go, you should know that everything discussed on this podcast and in this episode is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial advice of any kind.